Welcome to episode 14 of The Story Studio with your hosts Luke Condor and Daniel Wilcox. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. the story studio a podcast where an independent publishing company explores the world of self-publishing independent art and the future of storytelling it's a show for filmmakers writers comic book makers crowdfunders entrepreneurs creators and anybody looking to tell stories in the modern world my name is luke condor with a k and i'm joined by my regular co-host mr daniel wilcox and today we have a guest mr darren horbrook how's it going darren yeah it's going good thanks how are you guys pretty good pretty good i um I'm a bit yeah, weepy. I'm a bit weepy, um, potentially because of Donald Trump. But I'm just cutting up some onions as well, so it could be that. I'm not too sure. Uh, see, I was wondering how long it would take to drop a Trump bomb. Yeah, yeah. Is this a wet Trump gag coming along? <laughs> there might be yeah. a few. Uh, there might be fine. a few. <laughs> we'll see what pops up. Um, but yeah, shall I shall I do a quick intro on on Darren and then we'll sure. kind of natter. Um, okay, so Darren is, uh, I'm, I'm proud to say, a good friend of mine. He's a uh, Lincoln author who um, has kind of created his own fictional world and so far released, I believe it's three novellas into the world around um, the Forest Town Chronicles. Is that about something up, Darren? Yeah, at the moment, I've got three, three novella-length uh, stories out there, all based in the Forest Town uh, world. Um, won't be too long, hopefully, till number four's out there, and then I've got a, a load of other stuff I want to put out there, including longer novel-length works as well. How did uh, how did you guys meet, by the way? Was it like a writers' group or something? Yes, it was Lincoln Creative Writers, um, whose motto is <laughs> "One of Us." <laughs> yeah, yeah, the minute you you kind of go to one of these groups, no matter where you go, you'll always find the other magnetized towards you somehow. Oh, okay. But yeah, uh, so it's a once a month group and um, we just kind of, I don't know, it wasn't, I, I can't remember who started. Did I, was I there before you were or were you there before I was? Um, I don't know if you'd had a gap or not or if you'd been before me. I think my first couple, I don't recall knowing you there, but you might have been having a bit of a sabbatical, I don't know. Yeah, I remember I went to one that was um, probably about four years ago and I remember thinking I'll come back in a month or two you know well, it's definitely you though. <laughs> yeah yeah and then I did take sort of two years before I actually went back the kind of you know the writer's attitude of I'll do it tomorrow and then you know time flies by and before you know it you've got a kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or two kids yeah no or two kids, yeah yeah not not with each other yes yeah we'll put that out there <laughs> What what, so, uh, what kind of thing well, did you do in the writers group? Was it like exercises? I mean, like writing exercises or just chatting about books? And or what did you do? I've not, I've not really done much of one myself. So no, no. Well, I, from what I can gather, traditional writing groups generally um, you kind of take your work, read it out, and have other people evaluate what okay. you've done. Yeah. But this is almost like um, almost like a support group. So you kind of go, they'll dish out a couple of exercises. Whoever's running it that month. Um, and it's kind of just some writing on the spot. You've got 10, 15 minutes on an exercise and then you read it. But generally everyone goes, that was fantastic. And you don't really <laughs> critique each other's work. So yeah, not it's face kind of, to face. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> no. So it's more to get your creative juices flowing, I guess. Would you say yeah. that's right, Darren? 
Yeah, um, I mean, it, get, it gets things going. You write in your notepad, you might, you very rarely finish something. You've only got about 10 minutes of exercise. So, but, you know, sometimes you get something there that will, that you'll go back to later if you uh, pick up your notebook and they think, ah, I was on something that I didn't have time to finish yet. I might uh, just explore where this was going. Mm. Yeah, but, uh, I think the, the best part about the actual workshop, though, was it was getting me into contact with other people who wrote and um, sharing experiences that way. More than the actual writing, ex writing exercises, it was just the um, bringing of people together. Mm. Yeah, writing can be lonely, says some. Yeah. Says I. I say all the time. <laughs> says uh, I. Yeah. Um, yeah. What have you guys been working on? Have you been writing, editing? What have you been making? After you, Darren. Yeah. Um, so I've only just released the third book in the Forest Town. That was that came out Halloween. Um, up until about mid-September, I was working on books three and four at the same time. So I decided I'd, I'd settle on one and just pin that on to Halloween and go for it, which is what I did. Uh, I haven't done a lot since then because I've just been so flaked out. It's just exhausted me. <laughs> it can be tiring, especially that. I I was listening to something the other day that um I believe it was actually and we spoke about it a little on the last uh, episode, Creative Pen with um Joanna Penn about how if you don't feel spent when you finish a book, you haven't given it your all and it's not enough. Yeah, I like that. I think I listened to it the same show and it it rung true. I realised. Mm -hmm. Uh, you you should feel that way, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting that as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you need to feel like you've at least poured everything into it. Otherwise, it's it's not really done for the moment, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And because I'd set that's the first time I'd actually set a deadline um, when I was still having a work in progress, so I was getting a bit frantic towards the end. Um, and like most indie authors, I've still got a day job to go to, so I was cramming it in in my lunch hour. Just <laughs> we all know how that works. Yeah, we've all yeah. done that many oh, times. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. How's uh, how's editing going, Luke? I think uh, it's going quite well. Um, the book is coming along nicely. About twenty thousand words into the uh, the draft. Um, I think I've realised I've got a bit of a love hate relationship with editing. I, I do love it because I love seeing. Um, the the story sort of coming to like more focus. It it starts to uh, sing a bit nicer. You get in a couple of nice phrases here and there, and it really starts to look like a, a finished book, or more so. The more you sort of go over, but I hate it because it's really kind of boring a lot of the times. <laughs> like you'll be editing, I am anyway, and I just find my eyes just starting to go. So I have to I have to like go do something else and then come back to it because it's just mm. um I don't know when you when you're doing first drafts, you're sort of in the world, uh, but where you're it's like you're uh, once removed when you're doing the editing, I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm finding that as well. It's um, I find that if there's a really good passage or a passage that was written well in the first draft, especially, and like I found um, a couple I've been working on the last few days, which has been nice. So thank you, Luke. Oh, um, but it's sort of you know, <laughs> doing three, four thousand words since where you're not really changing a lot. You're just kind of yeah. almost reading, and then you fall into that. Oh, am I reading passively, or am I actually paying attention to how it sounds? And... Yeah, I've done that a few times. When I've realised, I've just read two chapters and I haven't changed anything. I've no, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not doing this right. Um... Yeah, just just add a comma here and there and see how it goes. But <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, editing's going well for me as well. I'm on. Uh, I think I'm coming up to the halfway mark now. Um, oh, nice. I had quite 
Yeah, yeah, had quite a big uh, push this week, and it feels like you say it feels like it's kind of coming together, and it's um, the story's definitely starting to breathe out of it. There are bits at the minute. I've I've hit the halfway mark. I've basically taken a pause now mm. for a day or two just so I can read ahead to yeah. the rest and make make sure that I'm kind of re-familiar with what I originally thought may or may not need to happen um, just to make that story flow a bit smoother. But yeah, um, it's definitely an experience sort of doing a, a, a longer work and looking at what... Just trying to see the picture as a whole. It's horrible because it's it's a big thing. And... yeah. You can put words under a microscope, but at the end of the day, it's the overall picture and how, how the all, audience, I guess, read. How it all like interlinks in terms of what you're foreshadowing and uh, what you... I know it's like trying to keep all of your facts straight. It's like a massive lie, and it's like a big web of yeah. lies, and then you don't want to like get caught up on, on something, so you're trying to keep it all in your head. Um, yeah, and you try and be clever, so quite early on you'll be like, oh, I'll throw this in there because this will link later to something else, yeah. and then you kind of worry yourself that you're going to forget that payoff yeah so there's something that's constantly in my mind at the minute that i know i haven't threaded in it's only tiny but i know i want to sort of nod at it a little bit more mm. but i just keep forgetting it because i just keep getting swept away with the story so i'm like i will put that in even if i go back at the end and just throw in the words somewhere and see if they stick yeah yeah but yeah do you find that darren with um i mean when you were writing things like foreverland did you have anything at the beginning where you're like i have to thread this now but you kind of worried that you'll forget. It's quite difficult to to navigate through. Yeah, I, I was aware of several aspects. Um, I wanted to try and foreshadow, um, and then bring it in with a bit of a payoff at the end. Uh, well, I didn't get it really until the final week, <laughs> editing before release. So, but yeah, I try not to rush it. I kind of knew it was there, but it wasn't coming. So, I mean, every time I write something, it's just a learning experience as well. So mm. I think each time I'm doing something, I'm a little bit better than I was before. Um, but this, you, you two guys are working on novels, is it? Is that right at the minute? Well, at the minute we're doing a a, a bit of a crazy project where we, <laughs> we we planned out two novels. I wrote the first draft of one, he wrote the first draft of another. Then we swapped. Se- separate, yeah. Yeah, separate, and then we swapped to do a second draft of the other alternative novel. And then we're going to swap again okay. to like, so proof and copy edit. I'm um, glad you sound exactly like me when I'm trying to explain it to it's people. It's quite difficult. Yeah. Weeks later, people will be like, so this thing you've written book one and Luke's written book two. And I'm like, no, that's not, that's not it. <laughs> yeah. It's two, two separate series as well, which we're hoping to be book ones of, uh, a longer series. We may have bitten off more than we can choose. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like doing things easy, do you? <laughs> uh. No, we, we kind of figured, you know, we'll. well this is the thing. We, we decided, oh, we're going to try and collaboratively write a book. Mm. But rather than just collaboratively writing a book, we decided to each start the beginning of what will potentially be numbered series. So, yeah, yeah it, it is what it is, but. I'm enjoying it so far. I mean, it's a long process, but I mean, it, uh, it's it's happening. Do you know what I mean? It's not like every week we, we're getting steps closer. So it, it's going to happen. It's just going to take some time. Yeah. Yes. While, while you're still enjoying it, that's yeah, that's a plus. Yeah. That's that's. A, that's cool. the, is this, uh, are you working on other stuff independently, or is this pretty much taking up all of your time? Uh, at the minute, this. I mean. Uh, I'm always sort of trying to dabble in other things as well, but at the minute, this is the main focus for me. 
I don't know about Dan. And also we do the, the other stories podcast. So we're constantly able to write uh, and produce those shows as well. Yeah, um, which is quite quite time consuming. So, I mean, I've got ideas of things I want to get involved in, but especially as this is the first book in the series, I'm kind of aiming to give it my all at the minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the second one, I can just kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, crank that out in a weekend, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so shall we move on to our big whoops for the week? Oh, what a big whoop. Darren, do you want to go first or do you want one of us guys to go first? Uh, I'll... Uh... I'll defer to you guys first. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, okay. Daniel, your my, time has come. My, my big whoop is that my uh, president-elect won. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we'll put that to the side and not throw opinions out there for fear of upsetting people. Um, yeah. No, I'm going to have to use... I am going to have to use Black Mirror uh, just because <laughs> just minutes before jumping onto this podcast i just finished the second episode of the latest season and which is the one i was going on like raving about in the last episode yeah with all the twists and the turns have you seen any of it darren i haven't it's on my to, to watch list yeah uh, I, if... don't, I don't even know anything about the premise of the show or anything like that so but um i've heard people say it's good yeah, yeah i a bit of um, a virgin to it as well. I mean, I've not seen any of the other seasons, but I've, I remember people raving about it when it first hit TV, and obviously now it's on Netflix, so everyone's going on about it because you know <laughs> bandwagon. But um, <laughs> uh, no, it's... Oh, well, if everybody's watching it, I'm not going to watch it. That's the attitude. Um, but yeah, if I'm if I'm right, is it every season has a different theme? So. Uh, no, they're all completely independent. Uh, the, the previous seasons okay. only had three episodes per season as well. This was supposed to be two seasons, but they've just lumped them all together and put them out. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's, it's supernatural. No, no, no. So it's uh, Imagine the Twilight Zone, but for modern, uh, very grounded technophobia. Uh, so in terms of things that can go wrong with various technologies in the very near future. Uh, but they're all pretty horrible. Well, uh, there's, there's a couple of nice ones, but they're mainly horrible episodes. Episode one was reasonably kind, I yeah. thought, to the point where I nearly convinced my partner to watch episode two, and um, I'm very thankful that she didn't, because if you if you ever want a, a psychological horror thriller nightmare, episode two yeah. is definitely it really it really it really affected me that did it it, it was yeah, yeah. one of the most. Like, I'm, I guess we're used to TV now because a lot, a lot, I watch a lot of TV and it doesn't really stay with me that long. But mm. that episode, it really it stuck with me for a while. Yeah, I mean, for an hour long episode, it was a case of, I mean, I, I normally watch something and as I'm watching it, I'll kind of identify who the main characters are. I'll kind of feel like this will happen at some point and you kind of get a thread of what's going on. Um, but this episode in particular was very. It was it was that beautifully written and that beautifully pulled off that by the end I I literally sat in my living room by myself and clapped, just like <laughs> like a child like a child at a duck. <laughs> um, but no, it was, <laughs> it was honestly just fantastic. Like, yeah. Down to the premise, down to the script, down to the acting. Just yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't say enough. It was the the acting is really good in that episode. I I remember the main character just 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 doing it spot on. It was, it was so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's. Yeah, I, I I don't want to say anything to spoil it for anyone that doesn't watch it because you can easily say one thing and it kind of gives yeah. it all away. But now, if, you, if you're looking for inspiration for literally just fantastic writing and twists, yeah. then then check that one out. Yeah, yeah, I will. I'll definitely be checking that one out. Yeah. 
Um, so I guess mine is I've um, kind of fallen in love with uh, an indie writer, an indie author called um, Michael Bunker. Yeah, he's a sexy individual. Uh, Michael Bunker is a uh, he 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 tell he and his bio he says he's a reasonable man. That's like his bio. He's um he's he's not Amish, but he uh, he lives a plain lifestyle. So he doesn't live with technology. But he makes his living as an indie author. He has like a um, a shed, like far out from his little camp where they, I don't think they call it camp, a Amish style house, um, where they make their own bread, they make their own coffee from scratch. And he has like a, a little shed somewhere, which has got like a solar powered generator where he goes to do his um, self-publishing KDP stuff and his online marketing and stuff. Uh, but he's I really dug deep here. Yeah, he's just such an interesting guy. But on top of that, his writing is some of the best in terms of like indie fiction. Some of the best indie fiction I've ever read. Um, it, so I, re- I read a book called Hugh Howie Must Die. Um, so Hugh Howie, if, if I'm sure most people listening to this will know, he wrote Wool. He was a self-published author who um, he spread like wildfire. He Ridley Scott bought the rights to uh, one of his books. Um, he's now a big traditionally published style author. Uh, but this book called Hugh Howie Must Die, uh, Michael Bunker wrote it in a weekend wrote it and published it in a weekend um it's thirty thousand words and it's a beautiful satire of indie publishing and writing in general the, the premise is um there's a zombie outbreak but the zombies only eat good writers so they go around they just and they, they um they only eat people who they uh they perceive to be good writers so you get a lot of people like uh, there's like Piers Morgan, like and various journalists trying to get eaten to validate their writing. <laughs> I was just gonna say, <laughs> and it, it's just like I'm just howling with laughter at moments. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely recommend checking out Michael Bunker. I'm gonna check out his other books as well. He's got one called Brother Frankenstein, which is more in keeping with his regular genre, which is he calls it Amish sci-fi. Uh, so that, that's <laughs> like uh, Br- Brother Frankenstein. Uh, it's 99p as well. It's a full novel, and it's um, uh, so it's an Amish uh, cyborg Frankenstein um, sort of story, monster story about an Amish child who gets put into a, like a metal body and goes on a rampage. It's, it sounds mental, but it sounds pretty fun. Uh, Amazing! I definitely recommend checking him out. Also, he he also blogs about like the way he lives and the way he just lives in this. Um, he makes his own clothes. His he. You know, he, he makes his water drinkable. Like, it's such an interesting guy. So I definitely recommend checking him out. Um, and also read the book, Hugh Homer's Die. It's pretty, pretty flipping hilarious. It's good. Which you can pick up free on his mailing list. You can, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, which I, I've downloaded a copy, but I've not yet got around to reading. Yeah, the Piers Morgan bits are, are pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but um, well, I, I haven't read much Amish sci-fi, so you know, hmm. maybe... That's that's one place to start. Yeah. Have you read any? <laughs> uh, <I don't> think, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> what what a category? Yeah. He uh he's actually has uh he's he's written a book called Pennsylvania, which I think the idea is uh there's a whole planet for people who want to live the Amish lifestyle and, and they go live in this planet. But that book's been sold. To be an option by uh, like a Hollywood studio as well, so he's he's doing very well. Um, so I mean, it, it can't be that long till we start seeing some of his stuff on, you know, the big screen and uh, and and you know all the good stuff. Really, it's nice to see Indie Office doing so well. 
absolutely yeah, yeah. definitely uh, what about you, Darren? Did you do you have anything? Feel free to say no, but if you have anything you want to share, that that's that's cool. Um, yeah, I'm gonna uh, put a shout out for Chuck Wendig. Actually, I've just nice. I like to finished yeah. um, Blackbirds. I don't know if you've read. I have, I have read the first Blackbird. Yeah, I have not. Yeah, you've not done. Yeah, I recommend that. It's uh, it's pretty dark. It's pretty dark and gritty, yeah. and uh, just down in the dirt, I think. And I've read a lot of his, I read his blog quite a lot. He's got a good blog at terribleminds.com. And he's done a, a lot of books for helping writers. So this is the first time I got to read one of his novels. I was really quite impressed with it. Um, and I've got the second one now, so I'm going to get into that hopefully soon. Yeah. And he's and and probably the big whoops for that is he's uh, an indie author himself. Although he's he's probably got publishing uh, contracts now, but he I think he set out as an indie author, so yeah, he's kind of up there shining the light. I think and what he's doing at the moment. Yeah, I'm a bit, a big, that hope. Yeah, a big fan of Chuck Wendig because when I first started uh, writing and getting into publishing, I found TerribleMinds.com his website, and he has like loads of free short stories he just put up there. And I sort of devoured those pretty quickly, and yeah. Um, and then I read Blackbird, which is great. But his nonfiction, his writing advice—it's kind of like uh, uh, it's in your face. Yeah, it's, it's in like... your face. It's a little bit silly, it, but it but it is good. Like when I wrote, wrote the first novel, um, I was reading one of his nonfiction books, The Kickass Writer, uh, and it really helped me with like the plotting and and. Uh, like a character's journey, and so there's yeah, I definitely recommend Chuck Wendig as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's one oh. sec, guys. I've just got to uh, let cats <laughs> moment. I'll just leave you to it. One sec, <laughs> we'll continue. So, how are you, Darren? Yeah, okay, you know, he's just tired, always yeah. tired, but uh, <laughs> that is we'll nice. Go on, <laughs> yeah. So, we should we continue just without Luke? We don't really need him. Uh, it's your show, Dan. I'm I'm here. So <laughs> cool. Um, so why don't why uh, while Luke is away, why don't you just tell us a little bit of background behind why you uh, where the Forest Town Chronicles came from and what sort of um, how the stories came to be? Um, it it's kind of bizarre, really, how I got the idea. I was I was working in the NHS at the time and. Uh, we had a, I guess the Americans would call it an intern. We had a, a college student and some holidays coming in to help out around the office. And near to Mansfield is a, a, a town called Forest Town. Um, not, it's, a, it's an old mining town. So there's, uh, we were doing a, a health promotion there and putting out and doing a mail run. And the, uh, it's just a, a comment, really. It was, he was putting folding the letters and uh he just said oh forest town it sounds like this you know place full of elves and fairies and all this kind of thing and i think that's that was where the seed was planted uh, uh yeah it, did, I, it didn't come into fruition for a few years after that but i always had it in my mind that i wanted to do something there and i wanted to do it almost like a pastiche or just lots of little different stories that could stand alone on in their own right, but would um, would feed into a bigger story about the town. Um, 
I mean, it's not based on the actual forest town, uh, but I do. I, I think you mentioned you you recognised perhaps where it would be filmed if it, if it ever got to that place, a little town in Lincolnshire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So it's all based upon this convergence of ley lines in this this town where, you know, lots of strange things happen, uh, you know, and there's a lot I want to get into and explore in that yeah. scenario, but it's all linked to this underground channeling that the spa waters had as well, which um, kind of how that town began. Yeah, because it's quite a big thing to, I mean, when um, I first met you and you told me that you had this kind of concept, this forest town, and, and you were writing the shorter stories in there and exploring sort of the magic in some areas and how people interact. Um, most people seem to, when they start, want to write, you know, a story in a world, put that aside, start another story in another world. Was it something you were looking for to have a way to bind all your stories together or was it sort of... It just kind of happened. I mean, do you ever want to write outside of that? Um, well, in the first part of that uh, that question, yeah, um, this I had a loose kind of idea of how it would all be connected, but it's um, by the time I've written the first one, it wasn't all that clear to me still. So it was still coming to me as I was writing them. I'm I'm a hell of a lot clearer on it now. So. Um, Hopefully, when I get the other stuff out there, it'll all start to come together. But I, outside of Forest Town Yard, I've got loads of other projects that um, are just nagging away at me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I started off writing mostly in sci-fi. That, that's most of my early work. So I've got a number of short stories I want to put together as a as an anthology. Um, I have a novel. Well. I've had a novel for years, but I didn't really know what I was doing when I was writing it, so it's just a jumbled mess at the minute, and uh, it probably needs a whole rewrite. But I've, it's, it's it's there from start to finish, uh, sort of. Um, and I know you you scribble, don't you, dance? Yeah, yeah, we both do. Yeah, so I've got it in there. I've got oh, I don't know how many, probably over a hundred individual <laughs> wow. chapters files and notes and everything so it just it's because I was inexperienced I didn't know how how to write a novel at that time so there's lots of jumbled thoughts that I think I can kind of retrieve but the thought of it is putting me off going back to it <laughs> at the moment when did you yeah. uh, sorry you might have already asked this time when I was this is the problem <laughs> of doing a podcast on a kitchen table you sometimes got to let people in um <laughs> uh when did you first start writing Darren um, we didn't cover that, so you're good. Oh, cool, cool. <laughs> I've always um, messed around a bit with it since I was at school. Hmm. Uh, so, um, well, I'm 40 this year, so that gives you some idea. But I was just doodling this. I was doing Star Trek kind of fan fiction, stuff like that. I mean, just nonsense, really. But uh, by my 20s, I was just getting into... Um, writing sci-fi i uh, started reading philip k dick okay yeah and he, he was kind of my big influence at the time i like and i started writing trying to write seriously from that point really so probably about 15 years ago yeah was there any particular book where you were like i, I can do this 
Or I want to do this. Um, I think probably the one was um, do Android's dream of electric sheep. Yeah. That, <laughs> that set me onto that. I still need to read a lot of Philip K. Dick. I've not really. I think I've only ever seen a kind of dark. I've not read any of his books. Um, but a kind of dark is is probably my one of my favourite books of his. Yeah, um, and the film that's pretty far out there as well. Like, is it rotoscoped, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Would you say that the Forest Sound Chronicles, in the fact that they are sort of shorter novellas, are they um, almost like a guiding light, a stepping stone towards you feeling like you have the confidence to go towards that novel and learn, like, understand the process of writing itself? Yes, yeah. Um, and also, I, I think it's because of the time constraints. I just wanted to get something finished and out there and i thought well i could probably do this and that'd be a bit of a confidence booster in itself because i've got so many unfinished things i just wanted to see it through to the end and uh i think finishing things can be a habit you need to form as well as a writer yeah because you you know you get an idea you start writing the first few pages everything it's all exciting and fun and you yeah i'm up for this but it's, it's seeing it through to the end is is a good habit to form, I think. Yeah, uh, as well as like publishing. I think uh, publishing something smaller initially helps me. I don't think I would have put, if I had written a novel first off, I don't think I would have dared to publish it in fear of what people would have thought about it. So, I mean, I started writing short stuff as well, publishing short stuff. How did you feel when you published the first uh, part of Forest Town? Oh, uh, yeah, it's like, the trepidation I was like I'm asking people to buy this and I, yeah. it wasn't a lot of money it was only 99p and and at the time I noticed I think well people are putting novels out for about the same price and I'm asking people to pay the same amount for a short story and you know people are putting stuff out for three as well that's another thing you've got to uh, take into account as well but yeah I you know, and uh, you're all you keep clicking Amazon, don't you see how many books have sold? And if there's any bad reviews or whatever, you just think, don't get any bad reviews. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I think the dreaded one star. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've spent too many hours refreshing my KDP dashboard just to see what, what was happening, but it doesn't help. Like, it, there's no point in, in fixating on it, uh, but you can't help yourself sometimes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and also going on to Amazon to see the rank. Uh, yeah. Going up, is it going up? Screen, just climbing, yeah. Taking uh, screenshots when it goes up yeah. the charts a little bit. Every every step it goes up, you screenshot it, tweet it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did, yeah, I, I did that a lot with Sins of Smoke. Like, it's eight, it's five. And then yeah. just, you just keep going. Um, with, you know, Forest Town being its own sort of world, do you find that there are anything, um, is there anything that comes with writing stories within a bigger world itself that you find sort of advantageous to your creative process? Because I know that in your books, you tend to have a link from one to the other, whether that's sort of not as noticeable or whether that's sort of like a direct piece of contact. Do you find that that's kind of something that's handy to have? Yeah, yeah. But because I know it's so well inside out, um, I don't know if it's as obvious to the reader as it is to me. Yeah, that's always the danger as well. Have I 
have I made enough of a link? Or will will people get it? But again, I think that comes down to you've got to trust your readers, and this is in standalone works yeah. anyway, do isn't it? Don't you know, readers aren't stupid; they don't need a a roadmap to get to get some of the ideas you're trying to get across. You can overkill it sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, so it's free out at the minute. Um, so, Dan, you may have asked this sorry already. Um, how, <laughs> how, are you planning on a set amount of uh, of these sort of short stories, or um, and are you going to put them in like a big collection or something? Or what's the plan on that side of it? Yeah, I am working towards a, a big to putting them together in an anthology and getting it out there in print. Um, I think there'd probably be up to about seven or eight for this particular story strand. Um, but then I've, I've got ideas for other strands to come out. And I've also got ideas for, well, certainly one idea of, an, I want to, let me uh, go back just slightly. I've got one of the characters is a dead poet. So I'm kind of got ideas to write as, if, as though he'd written it. So yeah. he's, he, he was alive in the 19th century. And uh, I did actually start writing a lot of stuff, probably uh, before the sci-fi stuff actually come in to think of it, because I was reading a lot of the classics, a lot of pound penguin classics around that I was reading. So, And I was kind of imitating that style, which mm. would you know, not be not be conducive to contemporary fiction now, but I've probably got some stuff there that I could, you know, fall off on this uh, poet character and uh, and have it as his own. And I've already I've already released some poems as though he'd written them as well. Yeah. So that's just another idea I've got got with the Forest Town thing there. Yeah, it's good to see you um, looking at putting some poetry in because. Uh one of the big things that I find with the writers group that we attend is that probably nine out of 10 people there are poets. So actually when I first met Darren, he was the first, um, uh, okay. Yeah. What, what I call a full fiction writer that, that attended. Yeah. And I don't know if, um, I probably haven't told you that this at any point, Darren, but when you first told me about your books uh, and I looked it up and I was very impressed with the covers and I sort of read the great illusory and was sort of blown away by your writing. That was one of my first, besides Matt Butcher, one of our own Hawk and Cleave, that was one of, one of my first experiences of, reading an indie author's work and and being impressed at the point where i thought you know indie isn't for want of a better word crap it isn't just people who can't make the big time um yeah. and one of the big things on that one of the things that still sticks with me is the cover from the great illusory 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 <laughs> pronounce it um illusory i think <laughs> illusory yeah <laughs> um do you find, <laughs> when you uh, approach your covers and you know, they're all sort of fantastic in their own right. They're all very individual. They're all very, um, they lend themselves well to the story. Do you go out and seek particular artists or do you kind of have an idea in your mind of what you want before you start? How, how do you approach that? Um, well, the great illusory was I, I finished that and then I was just spending a lot of time looking for a cover or some arts and then, um, uh, I've managed to find it, this great website, Peter Campofiore. He's uh, he's done so many pieces that are in kind of in that same style. He's got a very unique style, and uh, I owe a lot of thanks to him because I did. I just shot him an email saying, you know, I've written a story. I saw your image. I thought it fit really well with it. So I can't offer you a lot of money, but um, you know, I'll, I'll plug your work. I'll. Uh, 
you know help promote promote your website and he, he was very 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 helpful and he uh, he let me have it for a very good deal so you know i'm grateful for that um for the next two it was uh i found i found a dark rising one and that kind of that put another scene into that story just from having that um mm. and, and i kind of found that halfway through writing a story so i thought i've got to have this so i emailed him and uh, uh we we came to an agreement and um i found another piece of art that he'd done for foreverland which kind of that kind of again that changed the direction that story was going in at the time so i do take a lot of visual cues in my in my stories um and often images will you know lead to me writing a particular scene and i think that's that's what's happened with these so yeah um they i get to about halfway and i think oh i'm gonna have to go cover at some point so i'll start looking now and i've just been lucky i think that i've managed to find them and yeah. they've agreed to let me use them yeah that's a good way to do it because i find that i'll get to the end of a story and then i'll start looking for a cover Whereas if you're halfway through and you can find something, I mean, obviously it's not always going to be the case that you'll be lucky enough to find something that fits, but if you can find something that you can weave into it, then you, you're kind of meshing the two together and you've got a cover that works right there. Yeah. On, on the on the other side as well, it, it kind of shows you just how uh, inspiring a good image can be to writing because um, it's, it's inspiring to the point of wanting to put a scene in with that in the story itself. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think film and TV is also a big inspiration for me. So I, I need to get that visual yeah. cue, as, I, as, as I've said, and I think that's a really big help for me. Um, I don't know about you guys. Oh, definitely, yeah, completely. Um, I love that TV is research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Netflix is great now. Right. <laughs> Uh, just to go for like the the website, Darren. So you've got like maps. You've got a map on there. You've got like tourist information and all this like crazy oh. extra, uh, I guess, transmedia element of the of uh, the world. Are you yeah. looking to do more of that? And and what kind of stuff are you looking to put into it? Again, uh, if I could, if I had a limitless budget, I mean, my grand idea would be one map. Not that map I've used because I kind of fuddled that together on Illustrator. <laughs> you can tell, I think. I've never used Illustrator before. <laughs> but I'd love to have it as an interactive map, you know, maybe further on down the line when the series is more complete. So you just click on this and it relates to something, uh, one of the stories, one of the characters. Um, but I don't have the resources to put, put into that at the moment. It's cool. I definitely want to do some of that kind of stuff with our books, Dan. Like, you know, the, just the extra stuff that people, when they're a fan of the books, they can just sort of, they have that extra element to go into. A bit like uh, J.K. Rowling's got, you know, the Patronus tests and, like, you can... Yeah. I mean, she well, has got a fair bit of money behind <laughs> website, but but. I think that's, that's one of the things of, of creating that world. You can kind of go into it a lot deeper, and I feel that the more sort of the more um, plots you have to tie together, the more background you have to something, the more that people can get involved. It's the same reason that Tolkien has appendices after appendices. It's the same reason that people go mad for Game of Thrones because there's so much behind the text that 
you know, as a reader, you could draw out as a as a creative in, in front of it, or you can use it to make a more rounded experience as you are, Darren. I think it's one of those things that if you're looking at kind of going above and beyond the printed page, it's a fantastic way to go. Hmm. Yeah. And it was it's also it's also very beneficial for me to have that just written down somewhere as a, a reference point for me so that I, I know I, and having to actually go and create the history of it helped me with the characters and the direction of where each of the stories was going it, it just frames it um, so uh, yeah like I say in future I, I want to expand on that bit at the yeah. moment, it's a bit difficult. Would you, Do you would, ever find that you oh. make major muck-ups in the history? So you realise after you've printed off all these dates that actually someone gave birth when they were three years old. <laughs> no? Have you found something? <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> Are you looking to do any like other uh, mediums? So, you know, films, games, comic books or anything like that? Um... I, to be honest, it's, it's not something that's crossed my mind, but mainly because I lack any kind of knowledge in those other, mm. you know, in those other media. Um, yeah. I mean, the other thing that is kind of splitting my time or, or my creative energies is is music. I think I've uh, I've written quite a lot of songs, and I'm trying to get around. Um, learning some production techniques because I'd really love to just just do more with my music as well. You um, must have written a theme song for uh, Forest Town, right? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. Oh. Not yet. Not well, that's, yet. that's next yeah. on the list. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the things I wanted to touch on a little bit was um, I know that with the first two books in the Forest Chronicles, you, you did all the marketing yourself. You did all the um, kind of so I'm just turning my child's monitor off because um, it's beeping at me. But you did all the um, marketing yourself that and everything. He's in child in distress. <laughs> I, I still hear him. He's fine. He's oh. fine. Um, but yeah, you did all that yourself. But with the third book, you uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You hired um, some sort of agent to kind of give you that extra bit of a push and to kind of use uh, sort of gaps in your knowledge and basically fill in those to help make it a bit of a bigger launch for you. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, been working with Alexa at Right Publish Cell, um, and it's made me realise how far behind other authors I am. Really, um, I didn't have a Facebook page until you know I I, I took out this help with the marketing. Uh, I didn't have a strategy really. I didn't uh, have a mailing list um, or you know, any, any of the other kind of tools that indie authors, indie authors are using. So that's been a real eye-opener for me. Um, I mean, just you two guys as well, the things you're doing, you've, just by following what you're doing, that's kind of open doors to me as well. Um, I made my first cent on Steam It. Hey. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> because, yeah, I heard you talking about that in your podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm on the way there. One cent. So you yeah. made money writing. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now you've got to do the get the money out of Steam it, which is which is a pain in itself. It took yeah, me it I, took me about three weeks. I think it took Dan about the same, and Ben took yeah. about a month or something. Well, I'm not going to withdraw just yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let, let it gather some interest first. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. We found yeah. that. I don't know if you saw Planet Earth 2. I didn't. Yeah. I saw I saw the one clip, which probably should have been one of our big whoops, was the iguana escaping the snakes. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 I've seen that. Yeah. That was a horror movie. Oh, my mm. God. <laughs> you, know, you, know when, you know when he ca- the snakes capture the, the iguana and he breaks mm. free? I was like in like a, a calf just with my headphones on. I actually fist pumped. Like, yes. <laughs> I actually liked a little bit of a squeal as he got away. Yeah. yeah. How I, I always blows my mind how they capture those moments. It's so well filmed. Yeah, and I wonder how they get the, the iguana to have the, just the right expression on the face at the time. <laughs> it's a lot of rehearsal, I think. Fantastic yeah. directors. Yeah. <laughs> but there was, there was that three-toed slope responding to the mating call. Um, I kind of made me think that's a bit like I, how I am with the uh, with my <laughs> marketing strategies. Yeah, <laughs> I'll get there in a minute. So... You know, by the time I get to the yeah, female slow, she's already mated. It's <laughs> probably a grandma. That's how I feel. I'm not behind the curve at the minute. You know what? It, it's, it's difficult. Like there's so much stuff to learn. Like you kind of feel like I should just, just I should just spend my time writing and focusing on writing well. And then there's so much like new things that you should you should have already or should be doing. Like I got a message just before we started this from uh, Justin Sloan, who's an author. And he, he said, I've just started a new head talker with these other guys. Can you help me out? And I have no idea what a head talker is. And like, it's this other marketing, it's this whole other marketing thing. I don't even know what it is yet. But like, <laughs> there's just always something new. And it's just so difficult to stay on top of it all. I think sometimes you just have to put the blinkers on a bit and just focus on what it is you're actually doing. Yeah, yeah. I head talker. You have no, no idea. I'll, I'll, I'll find out like about that. Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Left update is out the one. But yeah, yeah. I, I find myself um, like it is difficult because essentially people that are writers want to write. And I find um, I consider myself fairly lucky that, I mean, I work in marketing. I I kind of have a bit of an eye for that side of things. So it comes a bit easier to me, but I know that it might be a bit more difficult for other people. Um, do you feel like, I mean, feel free not to answer this if uh, if you don't want to. But do you feel like you kind of got your 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 value from Alexa? Was it was it definitely worth it? Is it something you'd recommend to other authors that maybe struggle with that side of pushing their book? I think I maybe should have waited because um, I still hadn't finished the book when I'd taken out the marketing. So I don't. I think I should have tried and got my some of my stuff up to speed first and then really hit the marketing bit. Mm. Um, yeah, but I think it, I think you do need to at some point get some help because she's has set me on the path to a lot of things that I need to be doing. Um, so is, is there so anything yeah. in particular like mailing lists and Facebook pages and stuff? Is there anything that people will be missing out on? Any vital bits? I've, I think she stressed the importance to get a mailing list going. Yeah. And um, again, if, if if I'd have had some more stuff I could have used to try and, you know, get people to um, sign on to the mailing list over three stories or whatever, then that might have helped. So I'll, I'll take that knowledge with me going forward. Um, mm. One of the things I saw she did have access to, which was quite, um, I, I guess it's very, very handy, was she was very good at, she had a, a group full of sort of 500, 600 other people that, you know, are all interested in this kind of stuff, are all supportive of each other. And I saw that she posted on there quite a few times 
just sort of saying that the book's coming out, saying anything that you can do to get involved. And then other people who you otherwise wouldn't have had access to were sort of sharing and, and passing on the, the launch. Yeah. So again, she's, this, this is something she's doing for a living. So she knows her stuff. Um, a bit, uh, it comes down to what you can, you know, she can only work with what you're giving her as well. So, um, I think next time I take some, I, I I know what I need to, I know where I need to be at. I think yeah. Um, yeah. prior to taking out to maximizing that that push. So yeah, I, I would recommend it. Yeah, but make sure that you're ready for it as well. To play devil's advocate, do you also think that perhaps it was the right time, and if you had thought to yourself, wait until it's ready, that it could have been six, seven months down the line before you actually got around to launch. Yeah, I do think <laughs> because um, after I made initial contact, yeah, con contact with her, you know, we set a date. So I probably, I probably wouldn't have released it by now if I'd have been left to my own devices. So even in as far as that, that was worth the money, I think, for me because it focused me on on getting the book out there. Yeah, and, and from a personal standpoint, excellent. from a personal standpoint, it was a fantastic read as well. Honestly, one of the best things I've read this year. So. I know we plug things at the end, but if you do fancy giving Foreverland a read by Darren Holbrook, Amazon.com and .uk and every other Amazon, I imagine. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to read it as well. Uh, Dan has been singing its praises uh, on our personal chat groups and stuff. So, yeah, we'll be giving it a read. Oh, well, thanks, Dan. I really appreciate that. I do value <laughs> your opinion. <laughs> so we're uh, coming towards the end of our time. Um, that sounds like we're all going to die soon. Uh, <laughs> well, Trump is now president. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but before we end the show, we normally do like a, a quick fire round. Quickly, please. Where we basically throw questions at you and you have to uh, answer as soon as as soon as you can, really. Are you, is that okay? okay? <laughs> <laughs> Are you, okay. Um, Dan, how are we doing it? Who's going first? Who went first last time? I did. Okay, cool. Um, you Darren, are you ready? I think so. Okay. Uh, honey or cinnamon? Honey. Whiskey or vodka? Vodka. Stranger Things or The Goonies? Oh, Goonies. Uh, no, Stranger Things. <laughs> the the, the sentimental reasons, Goonies. Goonies, okay. Cool. I've realised the next one now might not apply given previous answers, but Black Mirror or Breaking Bad? Well, Breaking Bad. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen Blackmore. Favourite word? Uh, susurration. Oh, that's pretty Tatooine good. Tatooine or the Shire? Tatooine. Rubik's Cube or Bop It? Bop It. <laughs> favourite book? Oh, favourite book. Uh, something Wicked This Way Comes? What will your final tweet be? Um, God bless America. Probably tonight when the world ends, is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Nice, fantastic. Yeah, beautiful. You can relax now. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess I guess we're done. So, I mean, is there anywhere we should be sending people? Darren, what's the best website to send them to for your work? Uh, probably at the moment, uh, forestownchronicles.com. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, it's a very cool website. You, you've got the maps on there. You've got the, the the tourist information and the links to all the books. 
Um, what's your social media? And do you use Twitter? Are you a Twitter? Uh... I'm on Twitter, yeah, at Darren Holbrook. Um, I've got a Facebook page, Darren Holbrook author. Cool. That's pretty bad it for now. <laughs> um, Dan, what are we what are we sending people to this week? Uh, we're going to go to www.hawkandcleaver.com slash thebirdcage where we've got a load of behind-the-scenes exclusive content available for anyone that wants to come over and basically hang with us. We're yeah. getting up close and personal with the birdcage. Yeah. Uh, cool. Okay. Um, anything, any final words before the end of the world with the Trump apocalypse? <laughs> <laughs> oh, not from me. No, I'll leave it to you guys, I think. No comment. Dan? <laughs> No comment. <laughs> Everybody's still gobsmacked, I think. Yeah, yeah. We we really are, yeah. I feel like we also need to tidy up the endings and find a way to close off. We do, yeah. I don't really know what to do. It's, it's, I keep saying, and now I'm going to stop <laughs> the recording. What, what, how do people finish these things? Um, thanks for listening to the show. Take it easy. See you next week. Perfect. Have a banana. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories. Oh, and did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway, toodle pip. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.